All right. Hey, welcome, everybody. How are we? Good, good, good. Man, it is good to be here with you all this morning at College Sarah. We love you guys so much. Uh, we, uh, yeah, I love the community groups. I love uh, the Fulgums. They are for real unsung heroes, not just in their serving, but in their group hosting. You know, they said that uh, they have, you know, 20, 25, 30 people. They be lying. They got like 53 people in that joint, right? Like churches in their home, all right? And so uh, I'm excited about that. Man, we would love for y'all to join groups. Uh, just as a little pitch, because Steck got a shout out. I'm going to shout out the Upper East Community Group, which is mine, right? Hey, look, Mary is in the Upper East Group. Jennifer is in the Upper East Group. And so if you want to come to a group, sometimes we don't even read the word. Mary just sings the word to us, all right? I'm just kidding. But, man, we would love for you all to dive in, all right? So um, I love these videos beforehand. I love that you all get to uh, see people in our body that you may not know and that we get to kind of introduce them to you in some ways. Brandon has been working really hard to get those out. And so thank you, Brandon Reich, for using your talents, being an unsung hero in that way. Uh, But here we go. Unsung hero number three. We ready? Oh, shoot. Okay, we ready? (laughs) All right, there we go. Better. Uh, Hey, I'm excited about this hero because you have likely never paid much attention to her, but what she did uh, was fascinating uh, and literally is part of the reason why we're sitting in here this morning. So I'm excited. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. We'll be in Luke chapter 8. If you would like a Bible, the usher's going to be coming forward now. And if you just want to raise your hand, they would love to give you a Bible. Uh, If you don't uh, own a Bible, that's actually our gift to you. We want you to take and keep that. So don't feel ashamed about shooting that hand up. We would love for you to have the word. Uh, you can follow along on the Version app. There's some instructions here. You can plug this link right here into your URL and follow along that way. But we say this every week. We mean it. We want your eyes on the word. Okay. We really believe that the word speaks to us. That it is alive and active even today, right? That the word begins to move in our hearts in ways that are beautiful. And so rather than listening to just me uh, extrapolate the word, I want you to be able to see the word. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will aid in some of the words that are being said and speak to you in ways that I am not. And so please, please, man, eyes on the word. We are people of the word here at this church, all right? So today, as you're turning to Luke 8, we're going to be thinking about the idea of generosity and how this drastically impacts the kingdom of God at large. Oftentimes, there are generous people that are uh, behind other people in ministry that propel the gospel in dynamic ways because of their generosity, as we're going to see this morning. So Luke chapter 8, we're just going to read three verses here, and we're going to start right there in verse 1. It says this. Soon afterwards, he, as Jesus, went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Shusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. All right? Y'all, can I spill the beans on the sermon just right away and then kind of extrapolate on those beans that just spilled? All right, is that okay? Uh, Joanna, right, did you catch what Luke just said for us there? Right, Joanna, along with other women, they supplied the needs for Jesus and the disciples in ministry, right? Like, so Joanna funded all of Jesus' earthly ministry. I thought that at least got like a, hmm, 
Interesting, right? Like, like, think about the reality of that for a second, okay? Like, think about how was Jesus able to travel around? How was Jesus able to eat food? How was he able to stay in lodging? When he needed more clothes, how did he get more clothes? Like, he did not just turn rocks into bread, right? We see him doing that for others, but actually never for himself in the scriptures. How was it that Jesus' basic needs got taken care of? Because it takes money to do ministry. So how was it that Jesus and the disciples ended up doing ministry? Well, ancient scholars agree, and Luke here clues us in that several different women from their means actually funded the ministry of the king of the universe who owns every single piece of gold that this earth has to offer, but rather than supernaturally mining that gold, he actually allowed others to partner with him and literally fund and pave the way for his ministry, Joanna being a part of that. This woman is dope, and I'm like excited already, okay? Joanna funded the ministry of Jesus. Like, how crazy is this? Like, think about the context that we're working with here, to put it in perspective. Women were kind of seen as uh, lower uh, second-class citizens in that culture, not as good as men at that time, but not in the kingdom of God, though, right? They ministered uh, with Jesus, and they ministered to Jesus, and what we actually see is the women paving the way for Jesus in a lot of beautiful ways. They literally funded the ministry of Jesus. That's actually the first point, if you're wanting to track along with that, is that Joanna's generosity paved the way for Jesus's ministry. Hello, right? Like, this is unbelievable. Like, how dope would it be if you got to fund the advancement of the Son of God's ministry, right? You do, okay? Because the scriptures make really plain that Christ is the head of the church and we are the church's body. And so as we actually give to the local church and to other ministries at large and missionaries at large, we are literally funding the way for the king of the universe. We, like Joanna, are funding the ministry of Jesus. Man, okay, look. Y'all got to say like amen or something, right? Josh, lead the way. Osagi, come on, right? Like think about the reality of this, friends. Like you get to partake in the redemption of humanity through your generosity, just like Joanna did. This is an unbelievable truth, right? Okay, back to my notes. So Joanna is fire, okay? Uh, she and her husband, Shuza, were managers of the household of Herod. Herod was the tetrarch, which is uh, similar to a governor uh, of Judea during the time of Jesus's ministry. If we don't like our current political setup and the corruption that's in our political system, imagine living in that time, okay? He was a governor that actually lived like a king and stole money from the people and did pretty much whatever he wanted to do because he had near free reign on his territory and his area. But Shuza and Joanna actually were his household managers, which means that they oversaw his finances, they oversaw his wealth, they oversaw his employees of the household. They were over the house at large, similar to Joseph and Pharaoh, if you're familiar with that story in the Old Testament. Herod, if you're familiar with the biblical narrative, was actually the guy that chopped off John the Baptist's head. Okay, so this is who we're talking about here. This is the, the ministry that uh, Joanna and Shuza were actually in. And he was actually one of the ones that ridiculed, uh, persecuted, beat, mocked, tortured, and ended up delivering Jesus Christ, the Son of God, over to his crucifixion and death. This is the Herod we're talking about here, right? This is unbelievable. However, Herod's CFO, Joanna, was actually on team Jesus, okay? Like, how crazy is that? Like, if you don't think God 
God has a sense of humor, right? Like he puts his uh, 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 covert agents inside of this corrupt house to literally pave the way for the kingdom of God. And so as a really quick side note for us, but an important side note for us, uh, this statement is not all-encompassing. I do understand that, but sometimes God may even put you in corrupt situations, not just to be a gospel witness, but literally to use that very corruption and reinvest uh, it into the kingdom of God at large to begin to pave the way for Christ and his redemption. And so sometimes we say, hey, how can Christians be in a politics? or in Hollywood or in maybe these different areas where we see some corruption or some scandal. Listen, friends, Joanna was in the guy who killed Jesus's uh, uh, household, and yet she used her very salary to reinvest it in the kingdom of God to pave the way for the Messiah. You are not in your places where you work by accident or mistake. God may have you there to literally bring about the redemption of mankind. Okay, and so this is an important point, right? Joanna, she could have lived comfortably, right? She was wealthy for sure. She could have had a very, very, very easy life. Instead, she used that money to fund the ministry of Jesus. And so God may have you where he has you to reinvest in the same way. Like how ironic is it that the man that ended up killing Jesus was actually the same man that funded all of Jesus's ministry? I see you, God funny, divine king you, right? And so Joanna didn't just give to Jesus's ministry, but even more, she actually believed in Jesus deeply. In fact, if you look at Acts chapter 13 uh, real quick, there's this little tiny verse there in verse 1. It says, now they were in the church, this is after the resurrection of Christ, right? You're at the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, this person, uh, 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 Menaean, was actually Herod's foster brother. In other words, right, Joanna actually probably used her money to help fund Jesus' ministry and was also sharing the gospel inside of Herod's household, flipping Herod's very family members into Jesus lovers. Dog, this woman is dope, right? Like, she is killing it. She's a beast, okay? And I think that sometimes we think that we kind of need this, like, bazooka, right, to share the gospel. But listen, sometimes God has you where he has you to start flipping things around that the Son of God will be glorified just as Joanna was doing, who, though she had no voice in that culture, still used her voice and position to make drastic impacts in the kingdom of God. You may feel like you have no voice, but that's a lie from the pit of hell. You can literally make a difference in the kingdom of God and the advancement of the gospel, friends. And this is what Joanna did. You can use your influence, the position that God has given you. She could have lived a comfortable life, but instead she chose to begin to become poor that others may experience the riches of Christ. And why? Why did she do that? Well, the text is because she was healed. If you go back there to Luke 8, verse 2, you see it in there. It says, now they, the women, right, they were healed. She had been healed of something maybe physical, maybe spiritual. We don't really know the condition of her healing, but she was one of the ones that was healed. She gave because she was transformed by Jesus. This influenced her generosity, and it influenced her, her lifestyle and her finances. We become generous when we stop and recognize how much we 
we've been healed from in Christ. This is what propels our generosity. When we realize that the richest man ever, Christ, became poor, was born in a manger, lived as a homeless wanderer while he was here on earth so that we who were homeless wanderers spiritually may now be rich in Christ. The son of man became poor so that you who are poor may become rich. When we think about the realities of that, it literally propels our generosity. She had realized how much she was healed from and this propelled her to give to the son of God. This propelled her heart to literally want everybody to know the riches that she just experienced in Christ. If you think about the gospel, it actually propels you in these beautiful ways. For God was rich and could have stayed up in his mansion in heaven, but he came down to bless us who were poor. And now we, in our generosity, get the opportunity to do the same thing, right? What happens is, is that Jesus's generosity actually paved the way for our salvation. And as we think about the reality of that, it literally propels us like it did to Joanna. The reason she was so generous was because of the second point there of Jesus's original generosity. Reflecting on the gospel can help us literally not just live our lives being generous to ourselves and to our own kingdom, doing only things that we can consume, but it leads us to invest into eternal investments, things that do not rot or rust or fade. It leads us to being extra generous. So Joanna, because of her generosity, literally began to pave the way for the salvation of mankind. For though she could not die on the cross for our sins, she sure did pave the way for Jesus to make that a reality. She's part of the reason why we're sitting in here today, friends. This is an unbelievable truth. But she was moved by the weight of the gospel. As the gospel came into her life, it propelled her into generosity toward partnering with God. And that's what we need to do is think about the gospel and the realities of how this has shaped us. In fact, Paul would say it like this in 2 Corinthians, if you want to turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 9. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And then what Paul begins to do is he begins to extrapolate on that very gospel point there, and he ends it in chapter 9, verse 6. He says this, the point is this. So whoever says that our sermons be long, look, Paul just spent a chapter and a half just saying stuff, right? And then he said, the point is this, right? Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Later, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul would actually end up saying this. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 17, he says this, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good and to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. God isn't after your money, friends. He already owns it, and he could take it if he wanted to. 
right? What he is after is our hearts in the process. As we become generous, we begin to sow into things that are truly life. God wants you to have life and life abundantly, John 10.10 tells us, and he knows that literally as you are generous, that begins to flip your heart. It focuses your eyes on the gospel, and as you think about the gospel and what Jesus has done, it transforms you in these beautiful ways, and you become alive the way that you were created to. Joanna had been rocked with the beauty of Jesus, and then she gave to more people so that others can be rocked just like she was. This is the cycle of generosity. In fact, Joanna was so attached to this man that we actually see her show up one other time in the story of Luke. Joanna was likely one of the women that actually saw Jesus be crucified, who stood there and was watching and said that there were many women that were watching here. She was also likely one of the ones that helped bury Jesus. In that culture, women actually prepared the bodies for burial because women were seen as lesser. And if you touch something that was dead, then you yourself became defiled. So the awesome and great, courageous, heroic men made the women do it. Right? So Joanna right, actually may have been the one responsible for cleaning the Son of God's wounds, for literally beginning to prepare him for his burial, for resting him in the grave. The men weren't willing to do it, and so Joanna may have stepped in. It would have been real easy for the woman to complain at that point, right, except she got the opportunity through what other people were trying to persecute her with to literally possibly hold the Son of God as he was dying and wrap him and put him in the tomb. This is unbelievable, friends. God takes every injustice and flips it on its head always because that's how our God responds. And so we see this in Joanna. The rich man Joseph actually offered up his tomb and the rich woman, right, who could have been coming in her Prada and being like, I don't want to get this dirty, right? That's not what happened, right? She literally, right, began to pave and began to clean out. And we see that in Luke chapter 23 and uh, starting in verse 55. Right? This is, uh, uh, they're not named here, but we see this. It says, The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how the body was laid. And then in verse 56, it says, They returned and prepared spices and ointments. Okay, so then if you go to the next part in chapter, the very next verse, it says, But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. So it's the same woman that laid Jesus in the tomb, right? And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Then if you jump over to verse 10, it says, Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James and the other women who had told these things to the apostles. Joanna was likely the one that laid Jesus in the tomb, that was coming back to prepare the way for Jesus. Jesus' generosity so rocked her life, and her generosity so attached her to Jesus that she followed him even over to the tomb and was there ready to prepare his dead body for burial, except our God is not dead. He's alive, amen? And so as she goes, right, to, to really cling to God, this woman with all this power, this woman with all this money, this woman with this position and influence, y'all, she had so much to lose at this point, right? Like Jesus was not popular when he was killed and being put in a tomb. This is not a man that you said, oh, I want to follow, right? But she didn't care. She clung to Jesus, went to the tomb, right? Following Jesus could have meant that you would have lost your life, hence why Peter denied Jesus three times on the night of his trial. But Joanna's not denying Jesus. She is there at the tomb, she comes again using her wealth to properly anoint him, and then she's like, where is this dude at? 
right? And she starts thinking, oh man, maybe he got stole. And so he, she talks to the other people and she's like, I was so ghetto, sorry y'all. <laughs> Takasha was laughing, I saw you, all right? We're gonna leave that there, okay? Body got stolen, <laughs> all right? And then she went, right? And all of a sudden, the angel said, why are you looking for the dead amongst the living? Jesus is not dead, he's alive. And she got the opportunity to be the first witness of the resurrection of Jesus as she ran back to the apostles and said, Jesus is not dead, he's alive. This is what her generosity led to in this way, right? Her generosity paved the way for Jesus' ministry on earth and the riches of Christ's love paved the way for her own generosity as she thought about the gospel, realized how she had been healed, and then in her generosity, she became rich in good works, and through this, she clung close to Jesus. And because she clung close to Jesus on the ministry on earth, it led her over to the tomb by which she got to see the resurrected Lamb of God first sight right? This is so beautiful, friends. Her generosity paved her into the story of God. Her generosity paved her in to the witness of God, right? Like, I'm about to have to do a praise lap around this joint or something. I'm like hype, right? Like, man, Joanna is awesome. And see, with your generosity, you can also pave the way for Jesus, In fact, if you were a woman back in the day, it would have been easy for you to feel like you were nothing, but that's not how Joanna felt. She took no matter what the society placed upon her and ran with it because she believed in Jesus. See, the women were the main ones that were helping prepare the way for Jesus here in this story, right? Whoever says that the Bible is anti-woman has not read the Bible correctly. It was the women who stayed with him. The men departed. They looked like cowards. They were close. The women were. It was the women who paid the way for Jesus' ministry. It was the women who were literally paid paving the way for the Messiah, and often it was their generosity ended up doing this. In fact, if you go after the resurrection, think about the stories of the Gospels, if you're familiar with these stories. We have Lydia in Acts chapter 16, who was out there slaying in that purple cloth, right? That means selling, okay? She was selling purple cloth, okay? And what was happening there is that purple cloth was wildly expensive during those days, and so she was likely rich. She was actually the first European convert we see in Acts chapter 16, and then she began leading other people to Christ and lived in Philippi, and the book of Philippians was written and carried over to whose house hers, because that's where the church meant right? She used her generosity to open up the home for the church. Or what about Colossians chapter 4? I love this little text here. In Colossians chapter 4, it's a really, really tiny phrase, but beginning in verse 15, it says this. Colossians 4, 15. It says, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house, okay? Her name is Nympha, which is likely from the word nymph. And if you are familiar with that word, then you can imagine that Nympha was actually likely a cult prostitute in her former lifestyle that got converted to Christianity. And as a cult prostitute in that culture, she would have become rich. She would have literally been loaded from her old life, hence her having a big enough house to house a whole church in. And so now she converts to Christianity, and here she is opening up her home to a whole church, being generous with the resources that she had been given to advance the gospel. It was actually Tychicus's carrying of the letter. We talked about last week. He also 
carried Colossians, and Epaphras' planting of the church, which we're going to talk about in a few weeks as we look at Epaphras, that we see uh, the riches of Christ being expelled upon in Colossians, one of the most Christ-centered books of all. But Nympha was there hosting people in her home, being generous with the resources that she had, right? When we are generous, okay, people may not know about your generosity, but God does, And he literally writes your name into the story. He wants to highlight who was paving the way for the gospel. In fact, the moral of the story is that we always get way more than what we can actually give. We see this over and over with this woman, right? Joanna gave to support Jesus's ministry, and then she got to see the resurrection of Christ, right? Like Nympha here is literally opening up her home, where she had to clean it every week and and pave the way, right? But she is literally getting to see the advancement of the gospel, and her name is immortalized in the scriptures. She is getting way more than what she was giving out, right? Malachi chapter 3 tells us to give, and God will always give more in return. This is not prosperity gospel because in none of these examples do they give money and they get money back in return. What they give is money and what they get back in return is greater faith. This is what God has always promised to us, not necessarily material, but what happens is you sow material and you reap spiritual. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. And so no prosperity gospel. God is wanting us to be generous that he may bless us with more faith, that we may come more alive in Christ. He cares about you coming truly alive, not just on riches on earth that will fade and rot and rust, but riches in heaven that will last forever. And your faith will last forever. And he wants to build it right now, friends. And this is what our generosity does, right? In fact, if you go to Philippians, flip back a couple of uh, one book, uh, chapter 4, verse 16, he says this. He says, even in Thessalonica, you sent help, that's money, for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit right? God calls us to be generous with our resources because they are from him and he is generous with his so that as we imitate him and we begin to become fully alive because we begin to look like how God looks, which is a generous, benevolent God. We get to co-labor with God, to move with him in the advancement of the gospel. This is increasing our faith when we do this, which is what he is actually after. He wants to show off through our generosity. This is a beautiful truth, right? And you may think, well, man, that's so awesome. I love that. But like, you know, I'm a college student. I'm poor, right? Or I'm on my first job. I'm poor. I mean, I'm unemployed right now and I'm poor, okay? Generosity has nothing to do with how rich you may be. In fact, if you go back to Luke in chapter 21, we see this in chapter 21, verse 1. That's chapter 22. 21. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, the poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. Listen, friends, once again, her, a woman, okay, was generous, and Jesus noticed this, right? She didn't have much to give, but God noticed her generosity, and if he highlighted it on earth, do you not think that he will highlight her in the kingdom of God in heaven, right? He will stand up, and we will all give praise to what she did, and in doing that, we will give praise and glory to God through her, right? God is more concerned with the condition of your heart than the size of your paycheck. It has nothing to do with how much you make. It is rather the condition of 
of your heart and he wants you to be generous, even if you have little, because it means that the gospel has started rooting in in all areas, including in our finances, which is one of our biggest abilities to have an idol is there on our money. We want to hold it so tightly, but when we begin to lose those grips, we, he, there is a literal transferal that happens where, man, y'all, that idol begins to lay down and we begin to truly worship God for who he is, giving all of our lives to him, not just our treasures, not just our time or our treasures, right? Not just our time and our talents, but all of us. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus would say this very, very, very plainly, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, money shows us what you care about. In fact, if I opened up your bank account and looked through your checking statement, I would tell you what you love. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Why is Joanna at the tomb of Jesus? <laughs> because she was given to that man's ministry her whole life, right? Her money was showing us where her heart was the whole time. And so as he died, of course she would run to him. Of course she would cling to him because, man, her treasure was revealing the condition of heart. And as we think about the gospel, our treasure gets set on Jesus. And as it is set on Jesus, we become more fully alive, which is what you were created to do. And we literally begin to fall more in love with Christ. It is this beautiful cycle that he puts us on. Really, the Christian life is rigged in your favor, friends. As you are obedient, you get more of God. And as you get more of God, right, then literally you get to feel that aliveness. Our generosity is a way to orient our hearts around things that actually matter. I mean, think about all the generous people in this body, right? I was thinking about it this week, and many of whom are blessing us, and you don't even know it, right? I think about Mark and Missy Nodine, who gave like half of the church's computers to us. He works at Mac. We get a discount through him. Thank you, Mark, so much, right? And then literally sometimes, like, I just want to give this to you. In fact, the very iPad I'm preaching off of, he gave, right? Man, generosity. Or the men's and women's retreats. Man, so many of y'all are paying more than what you have to to create scholarships for people that cannot go. And who knows but God himself what's going to happen at that retreat. Man, people that may not have come may now come and they may get saved through that, friends. Your generosity may be paving the way for the advancement of the gospel in people's hearts. I love this, right? Uh, or the garrisons. Right now, they're opening up their home for someone who's about to get married but he's in an in-between season. He doesn't want to live with his fiance, so the garrisons are hosting him, or the hunts have somebody living with them, or the wars did, or the lenders do. So many people have people living with them, right? Being generous within that. The Christiansons open up their home frequently to host and reach international students, but also to host uh, leadership meetings that we've used. Daniel and Marina open up their home twice a week, once for community group, once so that they have a mom's Bible study where like 300 kids are running with their uh, heads cut off, it feels like, right? But yet they are there opening up their homes. Listen, they have crazy lives, y'all. They have three kids themselves. It would be so easy to say, I don't want to do that. But like Nympha, they are opening up their home, paving the way for deeper connection and relationships. Shoot, all the community group hosts that open up y'all's home week in and week out. Y'all think about what you are doing, right? There are people that have these deep, rich, vibrant relationships because you are choosing to use the resources that God has given you, your home, and you are opening it up so that others may come in and find that deep, deep connection connection. This is beautiful, friends. This is what God invites us into. Man, thank you, CG leaders. In fact, or host, host, right? Shepherds, thank you too, but your sermon was last week, right? The CG host, right? Like if y'all have not thanked the CG host, you need to go thank them 
because they have to clean up every week and get it ready, and it's a lot of work, right? But they want to foster those relationships. I am sure that there are people who are giving generously financially to this church. Now, the elders and the staff, we can't see what people's individual giving is. That's to prevent uh, favoritism and crap like that, right? So we don't know who's giving what, but I have seen that giving increase, and what it's doing is it's paving the way for more ministry. We are literally, there's a team of six that are about to go overseas that just got back like yesterday, and we are paving the way for them to go. We will be there sending church and give financially to that, right? A church is about to be planted out of here with Josh, right? There are ministries that are started. There are people that are coming to Christ left and right. Think about all the people who are supported in this church, right? You may not even know that. Jacob Brown, one of our elders, Jacob Milana Brown, they are fully supported by generous people that are giving to their ministry, and they do ministry full-time at the University of Texas. That same thing is true with Brandon and Ashley Sathis. Hooli has raised 75% of her funds external. So us, the church, are only paying her 25% right now, and she has 75% coming from other people. The generosity is blessing you without even realizing it, right? Like you will never even meet those men and women that are giving to her. And yet through their generosity, she gets to do ministry, and through her getting to do ministry, we see Jesus more clearly. This is how the kingdom of God works. You think about Josh Guerrero, who's raising right now to do a church plant. Rob and Lori Bergman, who's in here. Shoot, I didn't even take a salary for the first two years of this church, right? Because other people externally gave to my salary that we may start the church. And so if you've been blessed at all through Ministries of the Well, it helped pave the way by people who you've never met and won't meet until eternity. They were literally generous, and that opened up the door for this church to be planted. Friends, our generosity paves the way for Jesus to be glorified. And we see it over and over and over again. We get to partner with God in advancing the gospel through our generosity. And so that's the last point there is that our generosity could pave the way for Jesus' ministry. As we talked about at the start, he is the head, we are the body. As we give, we are giving to Jesus. If you give any of these a cold water to drink, you give to me, Jesus said. Man, we get to do that. Sometimes God likes to take the very money from the wicked like he did with Herod to advance his mission because he's just dope like that, right? That's how our God acts. And I love this. He's after your heart and the process. And within this friend, you cannot outgive God. You so materially, he returns spiritually. And one of those is far greater than the other. He is after your faith, friends. See, you were created by God himself to be generous. Why? Because our God himself is a generous God. In fact, from the very moment in the garden where God gave Adam all of the benevolent riches of the whole garden, Adam did nothing to deserve that, but immediately he set him up and said, this whole thing is yours, down to the crucifixion of our Savior, Jesus Christ, whose blood was poured out, where if you are sitting here singing today, I'm a child of God, yes I am, that was because of Jesus' generosity, right? All the way to the kingdom where we will live forever, friends. You did not build the mansion that's there. We have a place. The Father is making a place for us right now. Why? Because he is a generous, benevolent God. This has always been true. And so as we literally are generous, then we become fully alive because we were made in the image of God, and God is a generous God. And so as we are being generous, then we become more like him. This makes us alive and literally come closer to God. He is after that, friends. That's what he wants, and our generosity paves the way for ministry to happen that more may face that beautiful, beautiful reality. I want to end with this in his book, Running with the Horses. 
Eugene Peterson tells how he saw these birds that were trying to teach their young to fly. He says this, Three young swallows were perched on a dead branch that stretched out over a lake. One adult swallow got alongside the chicks and started shoving them out toward the end of the branch, pushing, pushing, pushing. The end one fell off, and somewhere between the branch and the water below, the wings started working, and the fledgling was off on his own. Then the second one, the third one, however, was not to be bullied. At the last possible moment, his grip on the branch loosened just enough so that he swung downward and then desperately clinging talent, or I'm sorry, then tightened again, bulldog tenacious. The parent pecked at the desperately clinging talons until it was more painful for the chick to hang on than to risk the insecurities of flying. The grip was released and the wings began pumping. The mature swallow knew what the chick did not, that it would fly that there was no danger in making it do what it was designed to do. Birds have feet and can walk. Birds have talons and can grasp a branch securely. They can walk, they can cling, but flying is their characteristic action. And not until they fly are they living at their best, gracefully and beautifully. Giving is what we do best. It is the errand to which we were born. It is the action that we were designed into us uh, before our birth. Some people try desperately to hold on to themselves, to live for self. They look so, uh, what is that word? Thank you. And pathetic doing it. There's, man, I, I had like Detroit come out twice in the sermon. <laughs> right? Hanging on to the dead branch of selfishness and self-centeredness, afraid to risk themselves on the untried wings of giving. Yet many people don't think that they can live generously because they have never tried. We were created to be generous, giving generously of our time, of our talents, and of our treasures. We were meant to soar, friends. This is how we act like God. This is how we see God in beautiful and awesome ways. And God invites us into the story, just like he invited Joanna into the story to come in and play. Many of us may not know the generosity of others that have paved the way for us to know God. But as we keep saying, there are no unsung heroes in the kingdom of God, friends. God sees everything. And even though you may not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, you may not be, you may try to, as best as you can't hide your generosity. Friends, our God sees it, and generosity paves the way for the kingdom of God at large. I pray that we would be a church that would be wildly generous because our God was wildly generous with us, and as we practice in that wild generosity, would our faith increase, friends? That's what we are after, right? You don't have to give to the well. That's not what this is about. We ain't about to take up a second offering today so that our giving can go up. That's not what we're doing here, right? We say it all the time, man, don't feel obligated to give, but we want your faith to increase and we want you to be giving somewhere to the ministry of Jesus that you may be paved into the story of God and may taste the riches of God as your generosity paves the way for more people to know about our King Jesus. Amen. Hey, I love you guys a whole lot. Let's pray. God, I pray you would help us to be a generous people. That's what I pray. God, for those who may not know who you are, I pray that the riches of this world would not be so enticing that they do not see the reality of who you are, but that they would see that you gave up all the riches of this world, that you may save us, for redemption is what you long for, the kingdom is what we were designed for, this world will not satisfy, these riches will not satisfy. 
God, I pray for those who do not know you, that they would see, that they would see, friends, that you would see the riches of our God. He became poor that you may be rich in him. And that is true spiritually and that will be true eternally as we live with him forever in perfect harmony and peace. God, I pray for those who do know you. God, that we would believe that this is true and that we would give God generously, that our hearts would soar that we would do what we were designed to do, be generous just like you are generous. You have been generous from the beginning, God. Lord, you know the needs of our church, the needs of us as individuals. God, we need a place to meet at some point. Man, maybe, maybe through the generosity of us, we open up that door. Maybe you know someone or have something. Man, God, would you please open up the doors, God? And I pray that you would please spur us to trust you more and more with our generosity. We love you, Jesus. Praise things in your beautiful name. Amen.